Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twins' three-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. Another series loss for your Minnesota Twins. Five series losses in a row. The team that's supposed to be an offensive powerhouse cannot put runs on the board. Dan, talk me off the edge here. I don't know that I can, David. I <laughs> I am so disappointed in, in the way that this team is playing baseball right now, just generally. It's hard to watch, David. I don't know what to tell yes. you. It's it's not fun to watch, especially when no. the issues seem to be all over the field, Dan. It's not just like one thing that you can pinpoint. We're right, because the bullpen's been bad. The lineup has been, I mean, aside from maybe a couple guys, just not effective. A lack of hitting in key situations. It's just, they're just failing at baseball right now, David. And I think that that's why they lost two or three to the Pirates. To the Pirates. It's, I think that's what makes it worse, is that it's not just like the team is slumping. It's they're slumping and they can't even get things back on track when they play bad teams no and i thought after game one that maybe that was going to be the catalyst and then they came out just flat in games two and three of the series i think that was disappointing i really thought after that first game oh okay we're looking at maybe a sweep here and really looking a lot better record wise uh but this team doesn't just doesn't look good they don't look good right now david they really don't here so let's go ahead and jump into our series recap series recap. The Twins took one of three, so they lost two against the Pirates, who are absolutely terrible. Um, but so, we can look at game well, one. Well, I wouldn't say they're absolutely terrible. I, I just think they're not a winning team right now, and they're missing their best player. And well, they the are Twins a winning still lost two or three at home. <laughs> they're, they're a winning team when they play the Twins, Dan. Well, maybe that's true. But they're, I mean, they're back to 500. They're a 500 team, David, and the Twins are not. The Twins are not. So we can jump in here. Game one, the sole bright spot here was uh, was Jay Happ's performance. He took a no-hitter here into the eighth inning, which was He did have exciting. two walks, David, at that point. Well, right? I, I knew you I were going to point that out. <laughs> I, I knew there was no way you were going to be excited about this. Like, I'm sure you were I watching. Wasn't, like, no, well, what's it matter? It was great. What's it matter? What he had two walks. Three base runners, seven and a third. That's great. He did get the win. The bullpen held on. Huzzah. I don't know. It's a win. <laughs> two nothing. I'll take it. But to echo what your thoughts were that you had mentioned just a couple of seconds ago here, <laughs> it did feel very much like this was a turning point that like, mm-hmm. okay, back on track. It was still hard to watch though, Dan, because they only put up two runs. Yeah. I mean, and they only, and it wasn't like they even have a lot of opportunities in this game either. No. And the fact that the offense yes. came from your eight and nine hitters when you, you would think if they got a home run from their eight and nine hitters and it, whoever's hitting there, that they're going to score five, six runs because then you figure the top of the lineup should be hitting well too. You would imagine so, but yeah, anytime that you're relying on the turtle and cave to provide your offense to, to fuel your victory, that's not that's not a recipe for success, Dan. It's really not. And even Arise wasn't at his best. He had a couple strikeouts in this game. He only got on base one time. I just, I've been uninspired by Donaldson this series. I mean, great to get the win. It was nice to see Rogers come in and get the save. So I, I guess I was feeling pretty good Friday night when this happened, and then it, it didn't feel so good Saturday and Sunday. 
Correct. Yeah. So let's move forward here to game two. This was a rough one, folks. So Pineda gets the start. He gives up four earned runs, goes four and a third. It was not a good outing. And the thing is, is everybody kept talking about how great a season Pineda has had so far. Man, they were on him early, Dan. I'm listening to this game on the radio largely. And Corey Provost is is talking about how the Twins haven't lost a Pineda start in like 15 outings. That's the language of doom right there, David, (laughs) when somebody starts talking about these things consistently. At the same time, you would hope that the Twins would be a little bit more in a game. In, in this situation, when I was following this game early, and it really in game three was kind of the same way, you thought, hey, the Twins can kind of come back in this game, but then they're down 6-1 and through six, and then it just kind of, it just didn't feel like they had any bats to muster the offense, which you would think the Twins would have the bats to muster some offense. That's the thing. I think that's the thing that's most frustrating, because you kind of figured going into the season, people were talking about how this could be the best Twins rotation in a long time, and nobody really talked about the offense, because there was sort of an expectation. People just thought, oh, well, yeah, it's the Twins, they're going to produce because that's what they've done the last couple of seasons. But now it's like, okay, we sort of were receiving some pitching. But I think a big part of this issue, when the offense doesn't produce, don't you think, I mean, it really hurts the pitcher's confidence that they're going to be able to get a win. So I don't I don't want to equate that to be like, oh, well, if the offense doesn't produce, the pitcher isn't going to pitch well. But I do think they kind of go hand in hand sometimes, don't you think? I think so, because if the Twins are scoring runs as they should, and even as they were early in the season when we talked about how they were having such success early in the game and scoring runs. Yes. And now they're not really doing that. And so you, you think that, you know, once the Twins have a couple runs on the board, then the pitchers don't have to be pushing. They don't have to be trying to paint the corners quite so carefully. Right, because then there's a little wiggle room, but they haven't had the wiggle room because they're trying to keep the team in the game versus just hold a lead. I think yes. there's a difference there. Absolutely. So a couple of bright spots here. Uh, well, really, only one bright spot was Smeltzer one. came in and <laughs> yeah. cleaned up here. So he went four and two thirds and finished out the game. So no other bullpen arms required, which you think would bode well for Sunday if Shoemaker were to struggle. So on that note here, let's jump ahead to game three, which it's a little sad, Dan, when I flip over on our spreadsheet from game two to game three, you have to make <laughs> sure you're on the right page because both of these games ended 6-2 with the Pirates coming away with the victory. And to me, the key was the first inning because the Twins had guys on in the bottom of the first. I think Kirilov came up with, was it bases loaded or was it a couple guys I on? Thought it was, I thought it was first and second, I think. First and second, and he hits into a lineup double play. Um, and, and that was a spot where I thought, hey, they're going to answer these runs. They're going to seize back momentum in this series. And they didn't. And then it was killed and they really didn't really didn't threaten the rest of the game. Kirilov, we'll talk about him because this was really his first time to have an opportunity to produce and it really, really didn't go well. But today, three of his at-bats, Dan, he absolutely smoked the ball and it just went right to where somebody was. So it was really just, it was bad luck, especially the first one that you just mentioned here when he came up and there were runners on first and second. If the pitcher's glove didn't happen to be resting right there, that that probably scores at least one run. No, that's true. And I I didn't, I guess I didn't mean that as a slight against Kirilov. It was just, that was kind of how the game seemed to go. And that was really then, I think, a key moment in in the whole series. Because I think if we're talking about a win in this game, and I I think if they score some runs there, I think they're going to win that game. I think that changes the tenor of the game. I think we're looking at a a 2-1 series victory here and a very different outlook I think going forward in that sense it would feel that way I think the team would feel differently and I think it it hurts even more because after that terrible road trip you're coming home you're hoping to regroup you get that first win but then you still drop the series it's very disappointing I think as a a member of the team yeah I thought I thought they would get into more of a rhythm here you know the big thing about that road trip series that I thought was lost obviously besides the players who haven't been able to play you know without having Kepler and Garlic and Simmons basically 
that's three regulars who weren't in the lineup. And I get the lineup struggled, but not having that routine of going to the ballpark, doing warm-ups, of playing a baseball game, just sitting in a hotel in California, like that just seems like that would mess with a, with a team where you are in a sport where your rhythm is so important for yes. six months of the year. And they were totally out of their rhythm. I don't, not that that forgives the four losses in California, but I thought coming home, they would get better into that groove quicker. Yes, I 100% agree. So let's go ahead and jump into our segments. Let's start off here with our Puckets Picks winner. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckets Picks winner. So this was so frustrating, David. <laughs> this is so frustrating. Already. I I was looking at the math and I thought surely Byron Buxton did better than negative one point. You won this with Polanco having one point. The the listeners had zero for Donaldson. The fact that you won it with one point, David, I think that's the lowest winning total we've ever had in our two segments, in our two years of this segment. Nope. You know what? I had Polanco once who won it with zero points last year. So Maybe there's something about Polanco just being the last man standing. This uh, is frustrating, David. Yes, I'm sorry about that, Dan. I really, I truly, I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to happily take the win. Uh, <laughs> Look at you. Whether... I can see you changing the standings right <laughs> well, now. Yeah, I, I see wanna... my record's about to change to one in five. <laughs> I, just I have make five sure that... L's. This is bad. <laughs> so the uh, the season record here, Dan is one in five. I am two and four, but the listeners are still on top at three and three, Dan. So we'll see if that can continue for them. Uh, they are doing... And I will say that that, that those records sound pretty awful, David, but we need to remind people that only one team can win. One of us can win on any given game day, right? Yes. Well, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, because there's tie breaks. So you're never going to have a time where anybody is going to get an additional win or a tie point. They're still beating us, Dan. <laughs> I think we should just keep track of the victory. The number of times they have won. Right? The <laughs> listeners have won three times. David has won twice and Dan has won one time. I like that better. I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm uh, going to focus on the wins here and okay, not on the well, losses. Let's keep cruising here. Beast versus Ben. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun? I, again, am unhappy with this team, David. And this is going to be, I think, an ongoing theme here because I am having to take Jake Cave as my beast here wow. because he had a home run and a couple doubles. Wow. He's the only offense that this Twins team could muster this series. My goodness, Jake Cave, after absolutely performing in such a terrible way the last couple of series, comes away with a beast moniker from Dan Thompson, ladies well, and okay. gentlemen. And here's the thing. I was watching, I, I'm sure you checked the Minnesota Twins official's website. Of course. Right? You check this. And I believe after game two of this series, they said, despite Cave's breakout performance, <laughs> twins lose to Pirates or something like that. And I and I looked back. I was like, did I miss something? Well, he was two for three with a run and an RBI. So I guess but he had two doubles. It's not like I was expecting a bit more at that point. It's like, is there a home run I missed? Did he go? Did he hit for the cycle? Like, I think we know who Jake Cave is. I don't think yes. he's breaking through or breaking out. I, well, I just, you know, the I think fact, when, this, but, when this whole team is healthy, when Kepler comes back, assuming Kurloff and Rooker are still up with the team, Cave isn't on the starting roster. I don't think he's even with the team at all. In, in a perfect scenario right now, we talked about this preseason, Cave shouldn't be on this team. We think that Kirilov and Rooker should be on this team and that Jake Cave should be playing for the Cleveland Indians. We do. It's right? so funny because our I feel like our feelings switch a little bit. <laughs> like I feel like depending on the episode, because all of last season, especially, you know, when the postseason came and Cave got set in favor of Kirilov and we had this whole discussion and you were like anti-Cave at that point. And then I was kind of pro-Cave getting the opportunity. And, and now I feel like we've switched a little bit where I'm like, well, he's doing his best. He's trying 
trying his best in this situation. And Dan's like, screw that guy. Get him out of here. He was. And I did just pick him for my beast, yeah. I believe, for this segment. You too. did. So I, it, <laughs> it does feel as though you picked him for his the beast moniker. And yet it sounded as if you were talking about him like he was on your bench, Dan. I don't know what to tell you. It's just this is a sign of how I feel about this team right now that that's all I can muster is a little bit of praise and then a lot of criticism for Jake Cave. I, I guess. So uh, my beast, I'm going to give it to Hap here. I just thought that performance was fantastic. I know, Dan, you don't care about no hitters because you walked a couple of guys. but I don't seem I to care still... about pitchers for, at all yeah. for that reason. But, yeah, uh, I, don't... I don't like to do this where I give the beast to a pitcher. But in this instance, with how the rest of the series went, I don't want to give it to any offensive players. Nobody did anything. So, And you had to give it to Cave. So what does that tell you as far as the prospects I had to choose from as far as the beast is concerned? It's not good, David. And I, again, great outing for Jay Happ. Huzzah, you know. <sighs> I just, I, I needed more. So who do you got on your bench there, Dan? It actually well, looks like we agree. I We do agree, and I, I was going to give it to Kirilov because he, you know, Alex Kirilov plays, he bats in the five spot, I believe, every game this series. Doesn't have a hit. No. Um, leaves a couple guys on base. But again, he hits some balls hard. But I'm going to go with Mitch Garver, right? In game three, he struck out each time he was up. He was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Um, in game two, he didn't play, which I guess was merciful. Um, <laughs> and then in game one, he had another strikeout. He just hasn't, you know, we've been hoping that, oh, 2020 Garver, that wasn't the real Mitch Garver. Well, that is much closer to the real Mitch Garver right now than it is. I mean, right now, Garver is hitting 160. His OPS is 548. He's hitting seventh in the lineup. I just, uh, I'm worried about the catching situation. Yeah, I mean, it does it does hurt a little bit more even because Jeffers doesn't seem to be nearly as effective as he was last season also. No, I just, the other point I wanted to make about this, if this were a 60-game season, I think there would be panic right at this point or or maybe not panic but something more like disappointment because they're 7 and 13 and that'd be a third of the way through the season. Well, there's a lot of baseball still. We're an eighth of the way through the season. So, there's a lot of space to turn it around, but they they need to turn it around. David. Yes. So, I I'm in agreement. I don't have too much to add here. I took Garver as well. To be fair, there were certainly other options this time around. Like it wasn't like the beast where it's like you, you were very slim pickings as far as who you could choose. You could almost choose anybody and make an argument for why they deserve the bench moniker this week. But you know what? Miguel Sano did not strike out in this series. I, he almost could have been the beast. He could right? have been. Given the you fact know, that he, he didn't play. He didn't play. So that usually does bode well for Sano not striking out. Um, I, You know, it wouldn't, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if somehow on the stat line it still showed Sano struck out sometime <laughs> even though he never took it at bat. Just seems like well, he was maybe in the they cages. should have brought him in he was in the cages and he, and he struck out. So they're like, we should probably put that on the old stat line. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, what do you have for your Rocco's Rewind? Rocco's Rewind. Yeah. So this was interesting. So I have a couple of things to say. So one positive and then one sort of question, I guess. So the positive, I thought today he pulled Shoemaker at the right time. Mm-hmm. It was into the sixth inning. Shoemaker got a guy out on a fly out and then there was a hard hit single and Rocco pulled him. And I thought that was the right decision. Granted, it didn't work out because Stashak really struggled and then Alcala also gave up a run. But I think today he pulled Shoemaker at the right spot. But then my kind of follow up question to that is you bring up these reinforcements, right? Which I mean, you always hear that line like oh it's great they called in the reinforcements but then when you when you go one and two against the pirates it feels like how helpful were those reinforcements that came but i guess my question is you have gordon on the roster now he gets his call up it's really his first opportunity and he doesn't even make 
in appearance, Dan. Not a pinch running, not a pinch hitting, not a defensive replacement. So I just kind of wonder what the logic is there. Why have him on the team if you're not going to use him? Yeah, and I think it's a little different this year because there's it's not like you're you're pulling him out of games at AAA. Like he's just sitting there at, at this point. So it's a little different. But I was surprised this guy's all amped up to make his major league debut. You scored two runs each of these games. Surely there was a moment where Gordon could have come in and made his debut. Um, especially because there's been all this talk about having Polanco play second base. And and not having to have him play shortstop, but he's played a ton of shortstop this year with Simmons being out. Yes. So so why not just give Gordon a chance to I, play and bat eighth or ninth? That's what I'm saying. And on top of that, it just it's so funny when he does like they interviewed Gordon on Fox Sports or excuse me, Bally Sports North a couple of times. And each time you gotta it's get like, that right there, yeah, David. You I can't know. make that mistake. <laughs> Sorry about that. But so it's it's funny when they interview him and they're like, Are you excited to get on the field? And it's like they can keep running this interview until he gets an opportunity to finally get on the field. Right. I mean, like, surely he would have had family here for this series. How disappointing is that? Yes. You know, a little thing. But, but I mean, didn't the guy deserve to come in here late in this game today on on Sunday? Something, right? To I just mean, make an appearance? Granted, maybe they want his first opportunity to actually be in a starting role so he could actually register in at bat. But even that, this is, I, we're, we're just talking semantics at this point. It's just silly to me that he didn't get an opportunity. Real quick, Eddie Rosario update time. Uh, I, okay, hold on. You can't mention it now. They're going to play Cleveland tomorrow. I, I was thinking you were going to wait and let no, me do no, this. I just have to because did you watch the video clip that I sent you, Dan? I did. Oh my I goodness. Did. This was my favorite. It was classic Eddie Rosario. I was just so excited for the Cleveland Indian fans to realize what you have in Eddie Rosario. Well, a liner think... hit to the first baseman, a liner hit to the first baseman, caught in the air. Eddie is on third. He doesn't tag up and he just runs home. What is he what is he doing? He loves baseball, David. He's just <laughs> he just loves it so much. I just, you know, uh, if anybody's going to know Votto's Eddie Rosario, Joey, no, no, uh, Joey Votto, Joey Votto's sitting there and he, he turns to the third baseman. He goes, "Did he tag? Did he tag?" And the third baseman's like, "Nope, he just went." And so they just throw over to third. Eddie's already in the dugout, getting ready to head out to left field. Doesn't even realize that the ball was caught. Oh my goodness! He, it was a mistake. It was a mental error. <laughs> By Eddie, you know, every, it happens to everybody, right? Okay, so what what do you have, Dan, for Rocco's rewind? Are we back? Are we still on Rocco's? So remember I talked about how, you know, I needed to plant the idea in Rocco's brain to keep the top four of the lineup pretty much the same, to have a rise. And he did, right? There was consistency here. It was a rise, Donaldson, Cruz, and Buxton. And I still like that, even though they didn't produce as much as one would hope this series. In Sunday's game, they got on base. I mean, that they had every opportunity to score some runs in, in game three, that is a that is a formidable top four. So as much as I am down on this team right now, I really have to praise them for at least trying to stick. Like, I feel like Rocco was trying to instill, this series, I got the sense, he's trying to instill consistency in his lineup in the hopes that some consistency amid the turmoil of COVID going through this team will shake it up in a positive way. It didn't work, but I do, I do appreciate the idea. Let's keep moving here to Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. What do you have for me there, Mr. Thompson, for your Minnesota moment? You know, my my Minnesota moment is Williams Estadio hitting a home run in game one of this series. How great is that when Estadio hits home runs? Because just when we think he's he's lost his usefulness to this team, he's playing a lot for this team right All the now. time, yeah. Um, especially with, with Sano out, um, he's playing better than Sano. I mean, Estadio is batting 289 for this team. This is a great comparison, David, because Williams Estadio and Miguel Sano each have 45 at-bats. Oh, wow. All right? So Williams Estadio has how many? 
many strikeouts do you think Astudio has? I'm going to go with nine. He's got two, David. <laughs> two. <laughs> Even less. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's impressive. Even two. I mean, I love that. I know that we make fun of Williams Estudio. I make fun of him, like, that he's not even up at, the, at bat. And he doesn't see three pitches, so he can't strike out. Um, <laughs> but he has he has just two strikeouts, and he's got 13 hits. I just I just feel like he is just being a more productive player than Miguel Sano right now. I mean, there's no doubt of it. Right? But it's important to know that his, his batting average on balls in play is probably like .04 or something. <laughs> it might not be great. But but I do love I do love that the role that he has filled in right here. And honestly, if Sano's batting seventh and William Estadio's batting seventh, I'd rather have Estadio in there. Well, the you way said that, that they're I think right you now. said that last episode or two episodes ago, and so it seems like Dan, once again, calling his shots and getting it right on here as far as how things have played out well you've been right about Sano I think a little bit more he may not be playing for this team for the second half of the season I don't know what they're doing with it's, Sano. it's sad to think about and maybe he can turn it around but if he doesn't I mean how long can you carry a guy on a cold streak just hoping for that hot streak and I know and we're right we're ragging on a guy who's on the injured list right now Miguel is he Sano. though is he though but is he I think he probably <laughs> what's your Minnesota moment um yeah so I think I mean Hap's outing I think is certainly one to consider but I really like um I'm gonna go with Smelter's filling in after Pineda's struggles just because he came in and he did his job and so it, yes it's not a very flashy moment it's not the homer and it's it's just a cleanup guy coming in to clean up a loss but it's one of those things where he held his own he performed well the other thing I I thought about Smeltzer is that he looked good, man. Like, I think he had to put mm-hmm. on significant weight and not bad weight. Like, he looked strong. He looked like he'd been working out. I wouldn't have been able to tell you it was Smeltzer because I'm so used to seeing Smeltzer as this really skinny, thin guy with glasses. Right, right. All of a sudden, like there's a guy me, out David. there who looks yeah. pretty... <laughs> Yeah, I'm used to looking out and being like, is that Dan Thompson or Devin Smeltzer? But no, yeah, to see to see Smeltzer out there and look like he really put a lot of work into his body, I hope it pays dividends for him. I hope so too. And that actually, that segues well into Maurer's Musings for me. I just don't know how it can get any better. Maurer's Musings. Well, tell us about so, it. So my question with Maurer's Musings is, is it time to turn over the bullpen a little bit and, and try some fresh arms like Devin Smeltzer, like Brandon Waddell? Um, you know, what, what do they do here? Because... Because the bullpen is struggling so much. If you look at the ERA for Ugh, this team in the bullpen, it's. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not looking at the team our ERA right now, but like, but Alexander Colome is at 5.63. Thielbar four four and a half. Alcala just a little bit over that four seven. I mean, Robles is 6.43. That's just not. These are arms they were relying on Correct. that are just not looking good. And the bullpen hasn't been able to hold a lead, or I should say, not even so much hold a lead, but keep a game close in a while. Yes, definitely. I, I'm in 100% agreement as far as something needs to be changed. But again, Dan, all of this is a bit of a moot point if they can't put runs on the board. That's true. That's true. And and that, so that is a bigger problem in some sense. Um, but it would be nice if the bullpen had kept, for example, game three today. If that game today is still two to one late, I know this is asking a lot, but you're giving your team at home some chances to tie the game up. Once that game gets to 5-1, you know, it's over, Yeah, I think. certainly. Especially with the way the offense, you know, maybe not last year or the year before. Yeah, but right. this year five one it, it just looks insurmountable. What about you? Yeah, so in the in a similar vein here, I think game one again, sort of the the lone bright spot of the series, Rogers getting the save. Not just the fact that he got the save, but that he got the call. So I think that was, we've sort of talked about this all season, that it's going to be closer by committee. There's not going to be one closer, but Colome was sort of treated as that closer. Well, here be, here comes an opportunity for a closing situation, and they turn to Rodgers. Rodgers has yet to give up an earned run this season, Dan. So it's one of those things where, is he the new 
guy. I mean, is he going to have the opportunity to take that closer mantle, do you think? I think he does in so much as anybody does. Because, I again, we talked about this. I don't want there to be one specific closer. I want it to be matchup-based. But at the same time, Alexander Kalmik can't seem to get anybody out right now. Correct. I don't know. Apparently, the White Sox fleeced us on that one somehow. Apparently, they did. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about the bullpen right now and a a lot of questions about the lineup. There's just a lot of questions right now about this whole team. What about uh, your grade for the series, David? Series grades. Yeah, I got to give them a D. I mean, they got to win. Had they taken two of three, I probably would have given them a B. But it's just one of those things where you needed to come away with the series victory here to stop the bleeding. And like, you need to get back to 500. And here's the thing, Dan. Math is a little tricky. It's not my best subject. But I can tell you, when you play three games and you only win one, it's going to be pretty hard to get back to 500. Yeah, they need to get some sweeps. I'm actually giving them an F, which I think maybe feels a little bit harsh. But I think the, the goal of this series was to win the series and the fact that they couldn't do that to me is a failure of the opportunity that they had because now they're still six games under 500 um you know the schedule coming up they play the indians they play the royals they play the rangers i mean this and then the tigers i mean they do have some opportunities here to make up some ground and maybe the teams that they've played are better than we thought right the mariners are probably better than they thought the red sox are better even the angels and the a's you can make an argument that the last four teams they played until pittsburgh is better than we thought but the bottom line was they had to win this series i thought now we're looking at a really long May, I think, to get to crawl back out of this hole they've built themselves in April. Yeah, I mean, it's still weird to look at the AL Central standings, but again, it's so early, and we had mentioned last episode, it seems that once we get to that 40-game mark, I think then we have a more realistic expectation, especially if the team comes back after this COVID sort of overhaul to the roster. If they come back at full strength, let's see what this team can do once everybody's healthy again. No, and I and I, I keep forgetting to make that point, but I think that is a fair point. They're missing their starting shortstop right now. They're missing their starting right fielder. They're missing Garlic right now, who it was kind of a de facto starter out and left. Yeah. Um, you know, so they are short. We talked about the rhythm that that throws them off. Oh, and they're also missing Miguel Sano, um, well, or at least in a effective well, Miguel Sano right now. <laughs> yes, but, but, that's fair. but truthfully, I mean, like, you know, even if Miguel Sano is hitting 250 and he's got some occasional power, Miguel Sano right now has two home runs and four RBI. I mean, Miguel Sano is better than that, right? He's he's better than that. He's good for a one towering home run a week. Yeah, I mean, he's shown that's what he's capable of. But this season, I mean, maybe he's just lost it. I mean, it always kind of felt like he was hanging on. Pretty rarely did you look at Sano and think, he's the guy. I mean, there were times, well, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I mean, you knew that the strikeout issues were always going to be a problem. And even if this season, if he's striking out, but he's swinging outside of the zone less, it hasn't changed his effectiveness as far as hitting balls are concerned. And that's what's funny to me is that maybe the fact that he's being more patient is actually hurting him for some reason. I don't know why. That doesn't make any sense, but... Well, and, and so, and I, this doesn't this seem odd we're talking about a player on the injured list as much as we are, but you look at his on-base percentage. I mean, Sano, because of his 13 walks, which are a team leading 13 walks yeah. right now. I mean, his on-base percentage is 310, which is better than Jorge Polanco, which is better than Mitch Garver, which is better than Jake Cave, uh, better than Estudio. So, you know, he is getting on base, but that is a good point. You know, is that is he's losing his power because of his patience, but then we can't have it both ways, right? We, we want to have That's what both. I'm saying. It makes zero and, sense to me why that would be, but I just, the, something's wrong. That's the thing. Yes. I just don't think, he, do you remember a few years ago, do you remember the time, no, no. David? When when we had Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano coming up and we thought we have the next the three, four hitters for the next decade. And I think, unfortunately, we've just got Byron 
Buxton yeah. right now. I, I just think Miguel Sano is just not going to be the player that we all hoped he was going to be for the last six, seven years. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Sano anymore. Oh, this let's, is so sad, David. Yeah, let's, let's move on. <laughs> Puckett's picks here for the Indian series. And we'll see you Puckett's picks. So as you mentioned, Dan, you're upset about this, but you do get to pick after the listeners. So the listeners take Cruz for the upcoming Indian series, and he does like hitting against the Indians and the White Sox, so this is probably a wise choice. Who you got there, Dan? I'm going to pick Eddie Rosario, I think. Uh... <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> this was going to be my moment where I talked about him. No, I can't pick Eddie Rosario, can I? No. What? Even even now when they're playing the Indians? Oh, my Here's what I th- you, Do you know what I realized, David? So... Mm-hmm. Our great reunion, I think, for watching baseball is going to be end of June, right? Yes. Do you know that that is the first time the Indians are going to play in Minnesota this season? Oh, well, that will be a wonderful... Are you going to wear a Rosario jersey, Dan? Well, should I? Maybe I'll get one out. I know that my son has one of the t-shirts. Yeah, there you um, go. So so maybe that'll be the moment. No, I guess oh. I need to make my pick. Okay, so on, um, on air production meeting here, Dan, here's what I'll tell you. You can take Eddie Rosario and you can take a Twins player, but if you do that, you have to take the lower score. Ooh, or you can All just right. pick a twin I per usual. I'm, I'm going to wait and I'm going to save my Rosario pick for that series <laughs> at the end of June. <sighs> I'm dithering. For now, I'm going to pick Luis Arise. I'm going to take Luis Arise. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I got some options here, I guess. You do. You do. You know, it's foolish. I, I can't not take Buxton. If he's available, I'm going to take him. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up, Dan, here. You want to send us out? I would be honored. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend and you can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win. And you can also find our Min for the Win facebook page make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified when new episodes are available and if you could leave us a rating that would be awesome thank you for listening and as always go twins that'll wrap up another episode of men for the win a podcast hosted by david kufis and dan thompson two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins thanks so much for listening and as always go twins